All right, everybody. Go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. You're in chapter 6. I'm going to wait for you to get there. So in here, he's talking about where we're going to talk in a minute, what people like to do about worrying. And then he gets to verse 33, and he says this about worrying, about food, about worrying about clothes, about worrying about the basic necessities of life. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. All your needs will be given to you, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. And that's kind of what I want to talk about. And it was funny. I've been sitting here all evening, heard the pastor come up, and he gave that psalm. And I was sitting there going, boy, that really talks about what I'm going to talk about. And Jim came up here, and he's speaking. I'm like, man, he's really talking about what I'm going to talk about. And Brother Gronkis comes up here, and he's speaking. And I'm like, he's really talking about what I was going to talk about. And I'm going to swear to all of you, pastor didn't set us up like this. Nobody told us what to talk about. But somebody told us what to talk about. I just got to point that out because I was feeling some sort of way about that. You know, so going back to what I was saying, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Well, what is the kingdom of God? Right? It's a natural question to ask. You know, I figure the, the basic children's Sunday school answer when you say, what is the kingdom of God? Heaven, right? Right? Is that the kingdom of God? Well, yeah. Well, is it more than that? It's a lot more than that. Can we serve in that kingdom now? Oh, you better believe it. You know, we're, we're, we live in this earth. This earth is God's kingdom. Now, he's kind of letting Satan run rampant in here and act like he's in charge of it. But is he really in charge of it? No, I say he's not. And so what do we got to do to be in the kingdom of God and, must, and to observe it? I thought I had my place marked, and I didn't. But I'm going to go to John 3.3. 3. And this is talking where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And Jesus says to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see. The kingdom of God. Forget about even being in it. You can't even see it if you ain't born again. That's the first step. You know what that is? That's your citizenship paperwork to be in the kingdom of God. It's kind of like your birth certificate into the kingdom. So if you ain't saved, you don't have a birth certificate to the kingdom. You can't even look at it. That's like some North Korea type stuff, I'm telling you. <laughs> a little better than that. But you can't even see it. You ever try to talk about church, talk about the Bible with someone who has no concept? You might as well be speaking a different language to them, right? It's because they can't see what you're talking about. And that's what makes it hard. See, we, they need to have their translator working. Their translator is in their heart. He's knocking to let them in and live there. But we're still speaking a foreign language to them until they get saved. So now they're saved. Well, let's, let's move on. So let's say someone got saved. And they want to be in the kingdom. Well, how are they in the kingdom? 
How are they going to serve as a citizen in the kingdom? Well, we can go to chapter 5 of Matthew. In verse 3, the very first of the Beatitudes. Now, my old pastor, Pastor Tim Clark, this was his favorite thing to drill into us at our old church. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God. It's kind of interchangeable to say that. And you sit there and you go, well, who are the poor in spirit? Now, wait a minute. Are you telling me someone who's not spiritual is, is the blessed one? They're the ones who have the kingdom of God. They don't, they don't do anything spiritual in any way? No. You got to think bigger than that. This, I grappled with his understanding of this verse for a long time until I finally understood it. And even now, I still struggle with it a little bit. Because he would say, Josh, you got to be poor in spirit. We have two spirits in us. We have our own spirit, right? Paul likes to refer to him as the old man. And then we have the Holy Spirit. He's not talking about being poor in the Holy Spirit. He's talking about being poor in our own spirit. Is that easy for us? We have to push that spirit of our own down. That's the first thing to being in the kingdom is taking what we want to do, taking our earthly desires, taking the things of, that we want to go out and enjoy in the flesh and in the world and saying, no, we're going to make more room for the Holy Spirit. That's our first step. We have to resist it. And then we go to verse 10 in chapter 5. He says, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is what? This is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Well, how do you get persecuted for righteousness' sake? By living what the, what the word says, right? By doing what God has told you to do. Are you going to get persecuted for righteousness' sake by going out and being in the world? By living like the world says you should live, by doing what the world says you should do, is the world going to persecute you for that? No. Most of the time, they're not even going to pay any attention to you. But if you go out in the world, around every other sinner in the world, and you live like the sinless one told you you should, now are we going to screw it up? Oh, yeah. We're definitely going to screw it up because we're not perfect. But if we're trying... Do you know what that does to everyone else? It convicts them big time. See, people don't persecute out of nothing. If someone is persecuting you for righteousness' sake, it's because the Holy Spirit's convicting them for righteousness' sake. And you are the material witness. Period. So when someone starts turning around on you, and trying to persecute your beliefs or persecute your actions when you're doing what the word says you should be doing, you should take that as encouragement that you're doing something right, that the Holy Spirit is teaming up with you, and they don't know what to do now. And so they throw out at everything. That's the second thing we should be doing. We have to resist the old man, and we have to have a testimony that's convicting. And you know how it's convicting? It's the truth. That's it. And then we're going to go Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, where Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, 
Just because you call out to them doesn't mean that you're living in the kingdom. Do we know people that put on a big show about being in church, put on a big show about, oh, I'm praying and I'm doing all this and look at me and all this stuff? Is that what the Lord cares about? Just because you call out and you make a big show and you make a big statement, that's not what means you're living in the kingdom. He says, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. See, that's living in the kingdom. Is doing the will of God. So it's real simple steps, right? We have to resist the temptation to live in the to be of the world. We have to have a fearless testimony of what the Lord's doing for us. So much so that it'll convict. And we have to be doing the will of God. Once again, are we going to screw up every one of these things? Oh, yeah. It's amazing that God still loves us and he still lets us remain citizens when we commit treason constantly. I mean, really, think about it. That's what we're doing. We are citizens of his kingdom. We are at war with this world. And we commit treason probably every day. We don't deserve that. We deserve to be on that cross with him, for him, instead of him, because he's taking it for us. But when we accomplish these things, when we can do these things, and we are actually living in God's kingdom on earth, and we're serving him as his citizens, and we're walking in the spirit. And so what are the benefits of citizenship in the kingdom, of living like a citizen of the kingdom? Does that mean you're saved? No, you have to be saved to even see the kingdom begin with. You're already saved. You're already going to heaven. Just because you're following him doesn't mean you're going any more to heaven than anyone else. But in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, he tells us what the benefits are of citizenship. Because he tells us what the fruits of the Spirit are. This is what comes from being a citizen of the kingdom. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's the first one. That's what all the rest of them, what we're going to talk about, come out of. That's the essential fruit of the Spirit. That's the very first one. It's not the love you hear about in the world. I mean, we've, it was alluded to earlier. This is true, unconditional love. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to lose it. It doesn't, it's like everyone's child. As much as your children drive you bonkers sometimes, do you ever stop loving them? Do you ever love them any less? No. You might want to rip your hair out of your head, but you don't love them any less. And then it says joy, abounding happiness coming from within, not from any external source, but from within us, from the Holy Spirit being within us, showing us the things that we should be joyous of. Peace, having calm, lacking chaos, not being at enmity with anyone. You know, the Bible says that we can have peace in the eye of the storm, and I'm telling you, we can. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> it's really weird. You can have everything around you falling apart and just be at peace. You might not be happy about it, but you can be at peace with it. Long-suffering. That word long-suffering in the Greek, it originally, that word means long-tempered. I struggled with that on my own, I'll tell you that right now. 
can ask my wife. I am one of those people, drop of the hat, there it is. Now I'm frustrated. Now I'm angry. I forget about it just as fast because I, I can't have a, I have no short-term memory, I'll tell you the truth. Or patience. Gentleness. You know, this gentleness to, to actually look up the definition that they were, of what they were looking to get across here is the desire to help others even if they have wronged you. Do you, do you want to help people, even those who have hurt you? Isn't that exactly what God does? That's how it's a fruit of the Spirit. Goodness, holiness, or purity. Faith. You know, we talk about faith, and I say faith is confidence. Faith is a muscle. And we go in Hebrews 11.3, it says, Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So that is what faith is. It's things we don't see that we trust are going to appear. Meekness. That word meekness is such a confusing word for us nowadays. Imagine someone who is so manly and so powerful that when every time you meet them, you think they're the gentlest person you've ever met in your life. It's someone with abounding power that they never have to exercise it. Intemperance, moderation in everything. Against such, there is no law. See, these are the fruits. These are the benefits of living in the kingdom. This is where we should be putting our efforts. And I challenge us all to do this in this next year. Let's live in the kingdom more than we live in the world. Let's do our civic duty. And that's all I have for today.